0: Three, two, one. I relaunch the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the chair and co-founder of I relaunch, and your host for today. Today, we welcome Kate Rotundo, an iOS developer who relaunched after a career break to be home with her son. She has had to consistently retool her technical skills and will talk to us about how she did that, especially as she started out as a French major working in fundraising and development. Hi, Kate. Welcome
1: to 321i Relaunch. Hi, Carol. I'm so excited to talk to you.
0: Well, we are thrilled to talk to you, too, and I want to dive right in um, to what I was intrigued by right from the beginning um, about you being a French major in college who was in fundraising and development and then somehow during that time, and I, I want to explore how this happened, you ended up taking a cert- certificate in software development. So can you just talk about that, that early part of your career and then did you just wake up one morning and decide you were going to take this this certificate program or what led to that?
1: <laughs> That's a great question. Um, yeah, I graduated Smith College as a French major and a dance minor. Um, I had I had thought I would go to college um, actually to conservatory as a dancer. so French was already a pivot for me. And then um, I graduated with a French major and jobs for French majors are not not really <laughs> not really in demand. Um, you know I, I started working at this tiny foreign language bookstore in Boston. It's not there anymore. It was called Schoenhoff's. And um, I loved that place, Um, you know, so but just working retail, helping teachers pick out French books for their classes. And after six months, my student loans came due and I thought I can never pay these back earning what I make, you know, just working retail. I have to find a real job. Right. Um, So I applied to um, administrative assistant positions just you know, not really knowing what I was qualified for as a French major, and and just trying to start at the bottom of the totem pole and and work my way up. Um, and so, I landed this role at um, at MIT as an administrative assistant in the fundraising and development department. And and the great thing about landing at MIT, um, they have a real culture of their administrative assistants having uh, interests and and life on the side. Um, MIT understands that people do that as a day job while they are supporting their career as an artist or while they're, you know, uh, supporting their career as a musician, something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and they have an amazing tuition reimbursement benefit where if I could find classes, um, that would apply to some job that I could have at MIT, it didn't need to be my current job, um if I took them and I think if I got a B plus or better, maybe um, MIT would reimburse them. Wow. That's um, a great benefit. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, so so it was the dot-com boom at the time, like 99, 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I was interested in learning to make a website. So I found a course at the Harvard Extension School um, and I took it and I, I made a small group of friends kind of the only women in the room we corralled together um, and studied together and at the end of that course they were all talking to each other about you know what are you going to take next and I hadn't thought of this as a path for me yet Um, but they all were going to take the introduction to computer science using Java next and I was like oh yeah me too Um, and I, I started into that course and sort of fell in love with programming from there Oh, That's a great,
0: that's a great story. So, okay. So you took the intro to Java course and then what happened after that?
1: Yeah. Well, so like one course led to two courses to three courses and um, there were these certificate programs that you could take up to three of the requirements uh, before uh, applying to the program. Um, so once I took intro to computer science part one and part two and then data structures, which is this kind of um, gauntlet of a course that makes or breaks people. Some people are like, okay, that's it. I'm done with computer science. Mm. I took those three and I realized I liked it. And I was three courses out of eight into a certificate. Um, so, yeah, I kept taking the courses. And it gets a little more fun after that because you start to get to um, decide your own direction. Um, you know, when, once you have the, the, The basics under your belt. Um, So, yeah, I found myself doing more and more work wherever I could, um, making graphical user interfaces, um, building those. Um, How long did this take you? Like when you were doing those three courses and you had the eight
0: courses, and there's like how much time was going by? And were you still in your admin role while you were doing this on the side?
1: Yes, I was still working full time as an admin. So, my my life from nine to five was stuffing envelopes and collating copies and um, kind of the most boring drudgery in the world. And then I would go take evening classes. So at least two evenings a week, I'd be over there. I think we had three hour lectures twice a week. And then my weekend would be the entire day Saturday. Doing my homework and sometimes the entire day Sunday. Um, it was a it was not a, a lightweight program. It really um, required a lot of me. So I did that for three years, um, taking one class at a time. Um, so sequentially, um, one fall semester class, one spring semester class, and a summer term class. Wow! So you had to love it, and you had to have perseverance
0: and dedication, and really be willing to dive in and, and make that time. Yes. All right. So you're an admin. You're going through this certificate program for three years. Uh, you're loving it. It's getting more complex. And so did you then end up changing to a job after that that was technology-based?
1: Yes, um, eventually. I. It took me a while to build up the confidence that I was an accomplished enough developer. Um you know, I, I'm not sure everyone uh, suffers from a confidence gap. Uh, honestly, I was quite a strong student, um, and I don't know that I needed to have that gap. Um, so, so after I finished that program, I ended up being invited to uh, to be a teaching fellow for the the intro course, and I thought, like, why am I being invited? I was, I I, I struggled so hard to learn that material, like. I spent my you know, entire Saturdays on it, which to me at the time was like, well, you're not very fast or good at this. Other people in the course must be solving this much faster than you or um, have more innate aptitude. Um, but that's actually not what matters in computer science. What matters is that you have the tenacity to work through the problem. Um, and, and so, yeah, it took me some time to understand uh, that, that I was good at it. And when I asked the professor, why did you invite me? He said, well, you got an A in my class, didn't you? Do you know how few people get A's? Um, yeah, so that was kind of a, a learning moment for me. Um, but yeah, it took me a couple years and I, I had a, a little bit of a wandering path where I, I first worked in the IT department at Brown University, helping instructors to create websites and wikis and podcasts and stuff for their classes. Um, and I wasn't I wasn't in full-time development work yet um, for a couple years. And while I was working at Brown, I, I became pretty dissatisfied with my work life. I thought, you know, there was a part of me that knew like I've gone to school for something else. like I can do, I can do more than I'm doing right now. Um, so I hired a life coach to help me kind of work through that. Mm-hmm. And she challenged me, um, First, she helped me with some visualizations of like, okay, close your eyes when you imagine yourself in your your perfect office environment, like your perfect work environment. What do you see? And I was like, I see an exposed brick wall. I don't know these huh. weird things that you don't really know how that's going to um, how that's going to come into play or help you. Um, but she gave me this three month challenge of like, I bet you could have that dream job that you're envisioning three months from now. Are you willing? to do the work to make that happen. Um, and so I took it on and I started applying like crazy to things and you know, not getting in my own way, not holding myself back, thinking I wasn't good enough, leaving that up for other people to decide. Right. Um, yeah, and and that's when I ended up being hired. It, not in three months, it took me more like six months, um, but she had definitely lit the fire under me. Um, and six months later, I was working as a Flash action script developer um at a salary that was double what I'd made as an administrative sis- assistant. Wow.
0: um well, i just I just want to reiterate a couple of points here that you're making this this confidence gap point, how um it, it the most important quality is tenacity uh, to work through the problem, and that you, uh, because you had to work so hard, had no idea what, that was like relative to anyone else's experience. And then at the end, you didn't even know how unusual it was to get an A in the course. And that led, of course, to them asking you to be the the course um, assistant and I, I just think so many relaunchers go through that confidence gap thought process, not only in relation to a, like a technical career, but in everything. And so um, I just wanted to highlight how you felt that way and then how you moved over and beyond that by saying, I was going to put that aside and let other people make that judgment, but you weren't going to get in your own way. <laughs> yeah. That is just so important.
1: Yes. Yeah. And I needed, I needed help, um, for that. You know, I think I'm not sure what compelled me to hire the coach, but I think I needed to hear it from someone else that I was in my own way.
0: And then this job that you had, can you explain what that is to people who are (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) non-technical?
1: Yes. Well, it doesn't really exist anymore, um, to be an action script developer. Um, Flash was a cool technology at the time um, for having animations in web pages. And um, it was, uh, so we didn't have HTML canvas back then. That's kind of the preferred way to do animations now. Um, but Flash was a technology that was, was cross-browser. So you could develop your, um, your interactive website or your animation once and then um embed it in your web page and it would work on Firefox or Chrome or you know any other browser without having to make changes. Um at the time there were also Java applets but um yeah they 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 weren't quite as as good for this. Um so yeah, this was this was the way that animations happened on the web at the time and um yeah, it 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 was a great technology it was a really fun kind of development to do because you see. Uh, so I was using code to direct the animations, um, but I had a result that was very visual. Um, there's some kind of programming where you're just working on a server on the back end, like manipulating data, and there's you you don't see a visible, tangible result. Um, but I personally really liked writing some code and then running it and seeing something move on the screen. I see.
0: That's great. So, um, how long did you do that and what else was happening in your life at this time?
1: Yeah. So I did that for about two years. Um, and the second year of doing that is when I became pregnant with my son. Um, but it was kind of a crazy time for my office at that company. Um, the company was New York based, and I worked in a small office in Boston with about 12 people. And then a few of those people broke out to start their own company and the Boston office disbanded. And I ended up working from home for the New York office and going down there um, every other month or so for, for a few days. Um, yeah. And that sort of leads up <laughs> to my first career break. So I worked um, right up until 39 weeks pregnant. Um, I worked on the Friday, and then I went into labor on a Saturday. So, yeah. Good planning on the weekend. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, at the time, I was the breadwinner in my family. Um, My husband at the time was a uh, graduate student. so. I didn't really have a choice and my company didn't have a great leave policy. I was going to have to take, you know, vacation and sick time and, and use all of that up to cover it. I think I only had two weeks of paid leave. Um, yeah, so, I, yeah, yeah. I. Um, so you took that career break and then what happened? So I wasn't planning to take, uh, I mean, I, you know, I, I would call that my parental leave. Um, I wouldn't qualify. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that was kind of a, a standard Parental leave. Um, I returned to work, um, and while I had been out on my leave, I had watched my team shrink. Um, People had been laid off because, at the time, Flash was uh, going out of style as as a as a platform. Steve Jobs had announced that the iPhone would not support Flash, and um, you know, I think it was just kind of aging out of. Of its usefulness anyway. um, But I I had seen my team downsize while I was out, and I kind of had a suspicion that the axe was coming, and it did. Um, So I returned to work, and one month later, I was laid off, which is not not what you want to happen. You know, so I suddenly found myself uh, in a job search with a four month old. Um and that same month his daycare also told me they were closing. So oh, it just felt my like my whole gosh. life wow. was imploding. Yeah. Um so so this is my first career break. It was only a few months long um and it was not planned. Um but I I stayed home with him full time while I was looking for work. And I ended up temping for like a, a technical recruiting agency. They sent me over to Hasbro to work on some Flash games for them. Um, And while I was in that contract, um, the founder of the recruiting agency um, poached me (laughs) for his own company. Um, So yeah, he needed someone to build a proof of concept and then build out a development team uh, working on Flash stuff. And so I ended up, uh, yeah, pulled into his company, which was called Little.
0: Oh, interesting. Uh, let me just uh, quickly take a break here and remind our listeners or those of you who might just be tuning in that you're listening to 321 Relaunch. This is your host, Carol Fishman-Cohen, and I'm speaking with Kate Rotundo, who is an iOS developer, and she's talking to us about her career path. So, Kate, I'm... Um, I know that you took another career break uh, a little later on that was for five years. And when you were on that career break, did you keep up with technology changes or was that a period of time where you were focused on whatever you were taking your career break for?
1: Yeah. So, right. I worked at Little from like when my son was maybe eight months old to when he was two and a half. Um and I don't know if we'll have a chance to get back to this, but um, I, I started there full time and then eventually kind of reduced my workload um, to have a good life ba- work-life balance at that point. Um, but then when, when my son was two and a half, um, my then-husband was offered a job in Germany. So we moved abroad, and I had no work permit, and we lived in a tiny university town, and there wasn't any work for me anyway. Um, so for those next 4 years I was a stay-at-home mom officially mm-hmm. what Germans would call a Hausfrau mm-hmm. I did try to keep my career going um, and that was it was pretty hard um I remember the first year I made a deal with my husband that um that I needed one day a week to work on a personal project um and so um We swapped one day of the week where I would go to his office and sit at his desk and work on an app that I was building and he would stay home and work from home, um, you know, just so that I could be out of the house and in an environment where, um, you know, that was conducive to concentrating. Yeah, that's very creative. I like that idea. Everyone make a note of that
0: idea. That's that's really good.
1: Yeah, so I was able to launch that app. um, And that app for me was sort of the beginning of my own journey from Flash to iOS. So um, my my development skills were strong in Flash and they were non-existent in Objective-C, which was the language for iOS development at the time. Um, But there was a library called Air that you could use to develop iOS apps. In Flash. And I started building my app that way because it was sort of the easiest inroad for me. But I quickly became frustrated with the limitations of Air. Um, It was always sort of one release behind the features that Apple had announced. And so um, there were some things I needed to be able to do, like uh, play a sound. Um, when my app was backgrounded, that were available in the current release of iOS, but they weren't available to me developing in Air. Um, so at that point, I realized, you know what, I'm going to have to learn Objective-C if I really want to do iOS development, and Flash is is going the way of the dinosaurs anyway, so I should I should skill up on that. I'm a, I'm a bit old-fashioned, or I think I'm from an era where... Um, there were more print books on technical development. So I started by getting a print book um, and trying to work my way through it. I remember definitely having plateaus and then uh, sort of <laughs> months where I would feel frustrated um, that that I wasn't getting it and it felt really hard. And then I'd, I'd make a leap <laughs> and then hit another plateau um, that was a bit difficult. Um, I also, when when I was a Flash developer, the way that I had kept my skills current was to watch webcasts of of a Flash developer who would put up these tutorials showing how he did stuff. And what's great about that is you see a developer, uh, you see their screen, you see them working in their development environment, and you see them, um, you know, do things like use menu options that you never thought of or use keyboard shortcuts that they narrate like, oh, here's what I'm doing. Um, and that that had helped improve my skills at that time. Um, so then I started looking for those things for iOS. So these are like YouTube video
0: tutorials where people are working through this in real time and you're watching them do it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, there wasn't th- so much of that on YouTube at the time. Um, so I got a subscription to lynda.com. Oh, yeah, which is now uh,
0: owned by LinkedIn, and it's called LinkedIn Learning. But yes, yeah, totally know about Linda. Awesome.
1: Okay. So, yeah, I think um, – and then the third piece of the puzzle between the book learning and the, the tutorials online was having my own project to build – um, you know, it really motivates you to learn something if you're like, I, I need to be able to do this or I don't get to finish my project. So you had this project and then did you
0: move back to the United States and then have to look for a job again? And and what
1: happened there on the technology side? We did move back and, uh, but we didn't move, we didn't move back. We moved somewhere new. So I had been living in Rhode Island before I moved to Germany and then my ex got a job. We were still together then. He got a job in San Francisco, so we moved to San Francisco, mm-hmm. where you know I, I didn't have a network, I didn't have a base, um, so I needed to find a job in this completely new environment. Um, and I I, I want to mention this just because I think I, I think it might apply to to other people too. Um, that was a really hard year. We, we got to San Francisco. Um, I had to get my kid adjusted to a new country. I had to sort of start forming my own network. Um, and all of that would have been hard enough on its own. Um, and then my ex and I split up and I suddenly found myself in the middle of a divorce while I was trying to return to work. Um, yeah. 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 It was a really, really challenging year. And I just wanna mention it because, you know, if there are people listening to this who are going through things, uh, you know, I really my heart goes out to them and I, I just wanna share that it's it's possible. You can you will get through it and get to the other side of it. Um, and it that doesn't have to be something that, you know, that makes it that such that you can't return to work.
0: You know, I really appreciate your honesty and transparency in, in talking about this topic, because we do have people who um, whose relaunch is actually triggered by a divorce. We have other people who whose divorce or some change in status um, that's significant happens while they would have been relaunching anyway. Um, but just to talk about the additional layer and huge layer um, of emotional stress or anxiety that might uh, put on top of a process that already has stress attached to it, the relaunch itself, and that you talking about how you move through it, and here you are. So thank you for for just demonstrating that and illustrating that for our community.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. And you know, um, when I first went back to work, there were days that I showed up crying. Um, and that's, you know, everyone, no one wants to, to be a new employee showing up at your new job in tears, but that's how I was at the time. And my boss would, would take me on a walk around the neighborhood and he'd be like, Kate, smell this jasmine. It's really, really lovely right now. Um, and so, y- y- yeah, it, it is possible to be met with compassion and companies hire you for the long-term benefit that you're going to have there. And they understand that people go through things.
0: Mhm. So um you're you're coming back, you've gone through the divorce, you have you're in a new country in a completely new area, you're building up your community, you get this job and I don't know if you want to talk about actually how did you get that job under those circumstances? Um and but what happened on the technology side? Did you have to up update your skills again or what you had done on the career break was something that just was the natural foray back into the to the role.
1: Okay, so on um, in terms of iOS development proper, the upskilling that I had done during my break um, was was enough uh, was enough for for pure iOS development. But what I needed to skill back up on is technical interviewing. So this is like a, a whole dark art mm-hmm. that. Um, it's really, really hard. Um, it's like, I, I don't know how to describe it. It's like you're defending your dissertation for four hours. Um, every, every tech company that I've interviewed at um, has been, you know, the interview, once you finally get on site, your interview is between three and six hours long, and you're being asked um, sort of uh, more academic computer science questions. Um, so not necessarily practical ios development like how do i get a a table view to show up on the screen but stuff like all right you have this list that you're uh you're trying to figure out how many items are in it like uh how can you tell if the list is circular and like repeats back on itself um and those are not problems that you solve every day as an engineer so you kind of have to go back into a more academic mindset um and really practice those problems. Um, personally, I bought a copy of this book, Cracking the Coding Interview, which is the, the um, I don't know, how do you say it? It's the book for, for this kind of stuff. I opened it and it made me want to vomit. I just, I felt so sick to myself because my I felt like my skills were really far away from being able to do those problems. Um, so... I I think, you know, looking back at that time, um, I didn't give myself enough credit that preparing to interview, being interview ready would take me a few months. And it was okay to budget for that, um, to say, okay, you know what, I'm going to study up for the next four months. And uh, yeah, I'll send out applications, but, uh, you know, to give myself this time. Because If you're rusty, you're rusty. And, you know, it's not something you have to feel guilty about or um, feel at fault for or feel like you're not good enough. You just have to skill back up. Yeah, and there are there are other resources that are a little more manageable for that. I think Interview Cake is a really good one that sends you one question a week. Wait, let, let's let's repeat that again. So, first of all, what year was it when you
0: were reading Cracking the Coding Interview and doing this kind of intensive prep for what you call the dark art of tech interviewing, which I <laughs> love that. Um,
1: so what year was that? That was 2015.
0: Oh, okay. And so, and so, since you know, it's a, it's four years later now. Um, do you think you're saying now there are new tools, and one of them is called Interview Cake, like C A K E? Yes,
1: yeah. So um, the guy who runs that website sends out a, a question once a week, or you can work through the questions on the website more quickly if you want to. Um, but yeah, that that for me was a, a little bit of a better pace of. Um, yeah, not, not having this huge 600-page book in front of me that felt like the whole weight of the world that I wasn't able to do. Um, I, I needed sort of a more more piecemeal approach. Um, another thing that I've done over the past couple of years, there's this this project that comes out every December called Advent of Code. Um, and it is 24 technical problems that are all kind of couched in this cute story about Santa and the North Pole. Um but they're actually there. <laughs> Therefore, that's the name. It's an advent calendar that has to, that is code yes. based. Oh, I love it. Okay. Um, and each day is problem. So there are, I think 25 of them. I've never made it to number 25, but I, but I think there are 25 of them. Um, so each, each day's problem has, uh, sort of the first level of the problem. And then once you solve that, there's an additional level of difficulty you can add, or you can just go on to the next day. Um, and the first year that I tried to do those, I, I was only able to work through about, I think, the first three days worth of problems. Um, and it, it was really hard and it felt like a really hard slog for me. Um, but the second year that I went back and did it, I was able to get through the first six days of problems. Mm. Um, and so I think. You know, it's just imp- it's, it's kind of like doing the New York Times crossword puzzle on at the
0: beginning of the week versus the end of the week. <laughs> it gets really, really hard at the end. Um, but um, no, your progression here that that you're talking about uh, in and do you attribute being able to get through six days of it the following year because of um, you were just more Im- immersed in. Your your coding work, or you are more confident, or how, what do you what do you think the reason was?
1: Yeah, so I I do think it's being more immersed in the coding work. So I went back to work um, full time at Udacity, and um, being back in a full time environment um, and doing the work that I was doing helped me scale back out. Now I think. I I wouldn't say that I'm back to my former level of skills, even three years back into the workforce, Um, but I know that I'm getting stronger and stronger. And I think this is one thing that I I wish people would understand about returners. Um, It's not like you you get a job and you show up to it on day one and now you've returned and it's done. (laughs) Like, you know, for me, it's been a multi-year journey, even since returning to the workforce, of building back up my confidence, building back up my skills, and uh, honestly, I, I don't know when I'll feel fully settled or when I'll feel like I'm I'm back to my former glory. But um, I do feel a lot stronger now, three years in, than I felt um, in my first year. And so, yeah, just just have patience for that process with yourself. Thank you. I think that's. Such great advice, and I, you know, we're
0: we're really out of time already. There's so much we can talk about here. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on, though, Kate, that we haven't talked about is that at one point in your journey, you had a podcast called Motherboard. Can you just briefly tell us about that podcast? And I, I understand people can still access it, so maybe also tell us how you, our community, can find out more about it.
1: Yes, yes, that um, that project was very close to my heart. I interviewed um, mostly women in tech who were mothers about how they were managing their work life balance, and it grew out of uh, you know my own experiences. I was the only technical woman at my company when I uh, when I was at Little. There was the only other woman was the accountant, and um, there weren't any other parents on my team. And I kind of had to navigate for myself, like, how do I make this work? Uh, No one around me was asking those same questions. But I knew there were women at other companies who were figuring this stuff out. And I thought, we need to share this information so people aren't reinventing the wheel. Um, Moms have enough to do without reinventing the wheel. Yeah, so I, I spoke to kind of a broad range of people, moms of small kids, babies, moms of older kids, an adoptive mom, a single mom, a mom with a disability and kind of, uh, toward the end of the time that I was doing it, I realized I need to also start talking to dads. Um, you know, I had this evolution to realizing we need men to show up as dads just as much as we need moms to show up at work. Yes, Yeah. Uh, so for me that, that project, um, it really helped me, uh, sort of think of strategies. Like one woman that I interviewed was, uh, she split time at her desk with her partner um, they both worked part-time when they went back and shared the same desk at the same company. Um, you know, another woman was a single mom who hired help to get her daughter out of, out to school in the morning. Um, kind of like a, a range of things people did that never would have occurred to me. Um, so that, that project is still live. I don't record them anymore, but, um, if you're, you want to listen to the back episodes, the website is, uh, www.motherboardpodcast.com. Oh, great. I love the name of it. It's so perfect.
0: Um, Well, Kate, we're, we're wrapping up now. So I just wanted to end by asking the question that we ask all of our podcast guests, and that is what is your best piece of advice for our relauncher audience, even if it's something we already talked about today?
1: Yeah, I would just underline that your life doesn't have to be in order for you to go back to work. So if you're worried about how your kids need you, about, you know, what it's going to be like when you need to call in sick or how tired you're going to feel trying to fit all the pieces together, um, don't, (laughs) you know, even when you're a new employee somewhere, you can ask for what you need. And if it's a supportive environment and they've hired you for your long-term value to the company, they will work with you to make sure that you get what you need. I started a new job six months ago, and I have had so many life things come up. Um, I had some reproductive health stuff come up that I didn't expect. My dad died. I had to have a surgery. I have to go to physical therapy. And, you know, I, I wanted to jump into this job and be able to prove myself and 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 just, you know, like, knock it out of the park. But my manager understands life is happening. Um And I'm so glad that I didn't wait for all of these things to be resolved to be in this job because, um, you know, as as these things clear up and my life gets back to normal, I'm in a good position to contribute to this company. And they know that. And and I know it. Um, So you don't have to wait for your life to be perfectly pristine to be a good employee and for a company to want you.
0: That is awesome advice. I hope everyone is listening carefully. Kate Rotondo, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you, Carol. It's been delightful.
0: Thanks for listening to 321 iRelaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the chair and co-founder of iRelaunch and your host. For more information on iRelaunch, go to iRelaunch.com. And if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it on iTunes and your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to share this podcast with a friend on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media. Thanks for joining us.